This is the Educational Triage Podcast. Welcome. We invite you to come along with us on an exploration of interviews, issues, and other exciting and relevant topics in education, especially alternative education. They say alternative education is a laboratory for mainstream education. Why? Well, join us every week and listen in as Philip Summers and I, Tony Hunt, jump in feet first to discuss issues that may affect our classes, students, communities, as well as our teaching. Please subscribe if you enjoy and find relevance in what you experience here. And if you haven't left a quick review, please do. We appreciate your candor and insights so we can improve as we move forward. Now, let's see what's on board today. Hey, 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 everybody, and welcome back to Educational Triage. This week, we are looking at transitioning from being a traditional instructor to a mentor, teacher, guide, or facilitator. And to help us do that, we have the lithe, the adaptable, the flexible, Philip. Hey. Aloha and bubbles up. I just want to say in tribute to um, Jimmy Butler. Yes, indeed. Bubbles up, Captain. Indeed. So if anybody out there is a parrot head, there you go. We're mourning along with you. (laughs) (laughs) So, Philip, what are the benefits of being a mentor, guide, or facilitator as opposed to being a direct instructor? Uh, You become a completely integrated teacher and learner. What does that mean? And it means that teaching is an art form. And that if you're a mentor teacher, then you're exhibiting and demonstrating and using all of the traits it takes to teach at the very highest levels. Because it's a process. It's also a part of your being. So the steps to becoming a mentor teacher, they, they, they become a part of you, basically. It's sort of like becoming a karate master. You know, they say, well, they're a sensei. Uh, it means that they have studied that art so long that they can now flow with it, you know, and be in it. And so they gained that. And it's kind of the same as being a mentor teacher. Yeah. Now, what are the major byproducts? In other words, how do the students benefit from this? Well, you complete the circle, in my opinion. Um, you know, when you have kids and you're learning with them, And then you're teaching them how to learn and together you're collaborating and learning things. It's, it's just, it completes the circle. It's, it's sort of like that, you know, I said it too, the Plutarch thing, which I've been corrected twice. It is Plutarch, you know, that it's a, it's a fire to be lit, to be ignited, not a vessel to be filled. You know, you can't just say here, take notes. I'm going to tell you how this works. But when you teach, it's like, Hey, let's, I'm going to teach you how this starts to work and let's learn how it works together. Um, I've been down the road on that, but you know, if you have anything to add, you know, and because I've had kids put U-turns and side turns and ups and down turns and things I was teaching. I go, "Uh Oh, wow. I enjoy this. (laughs) (laughs) So we actually have deeper meaning that's fostered. 
and students feel far more empowered. When it collaborated happens. with, Simple. yeah, they're yeah. totally empowered. And Completely. you're empowered as so, a the shift from being a direct instructor, and this is to those teachers who believe, and I couldn't believe that I heard somebody saying this the other day, their idea of teaching is to sit the kids down, tell them what to do, and have them do it. And th that yes. means worksheets. That means you have a para professional right. who does most of the work with the students while the right. teacher sits back and they're on their phone or they're doing other things I, but they well, are not yeah. they're not teaching and I've so so that would be more along the lines of in a sense a very bad example <laughs> Bad teaching. That's not teaching. Of, it's, of no. teaching because, right, because you're not, and you really don't have much interaction with the kids. Yeah. You're not checking them. And, you know, yeah, yeah, we have yeah. a lot of parents who will say, I just love that teacher. They are so nice. They are so funny. Mm -hmm. And my kids really like them too. Well, yeah. But what are the kids learning? Are the kids actually learning? Oh, well, in that classroom, they're not learning much and they probably don't brag about the teacher quality. Well, um, they don't know. Well, I, I remember actually <laughs> quite a bit from when I was, when I was schooling and uh, I did notice that when I got to high school and teachers were acting more like teachers kind of thing. Uh, we had one teacher who give us just worksheets and show us films and I don't know where he went. And, and we all knew he was a bad teacher and we all knew he graded easy and we all took his class because we could get away with murder in the back row. It was wow. sociology classes. Yeah. And so everyone kind of took it because it was an easy class and he gave out worksheets. But I don't remember learning much. I learned a bunch in college about sociology, but not mm -hmm. much in that class. I remember it well. Yeah. And then there were teachers who actually kicked my butt. And I would sign up for more and they asked me why. <laughs> and I couldn't answer them. I did not know the, the answer to that question. I just, I don't know. I just, now I know the answer. You make me think and I like to think. Right, yeah. right. And every yeah. kid loves to think. One of the first yeah. things that I used to do with uh, freshman English, and actually I like to do it with all my English classes, and sometimes I do it in alternative ed at the beginning of the year if I have fresh faces all around. I do this. And I give them the Bertolt Brecht short story. And it's a very short story. And I ask them to explain it to me. And they have to explain it to me in five sentences. And they can work with a partner or three or four, but they can get the thing, they can start discussing it. Mm -hmm. And the story, it's about Mr. K. And it goes, one day, Mr. K, it, I'm, I'm probably going to botch it up. So yeah. for all you Brechtians out there, forgive me. One day, Mr. K bumped into a man he had not seen for a very long time. You haven't changed a bit, said the man. 
and Mr. K turned quite pale. That's the story. I like. Oh, wait. No, you haven't changed a bit, said the man. Oh, said Mr. K, and turned quite pale. Oh, he actually replied. Hmm. So, I'm not going to tell them, but you can tell this is where you see panic on students' faces. Because you now have students who have been told, give me the right answer. There is a wrong answer and there is a right answer. They haven't had to think outside the box. They hadn't had to figure out what things mean in literature. There is a black and white. I understand something here. May I? They do not understand how to collaborate with the information. How to integrate. I like that. I've never heard that term before, but yes. We're, we're talking about mentor teaching and my my prosper the, the biggest component of it is having that circular learning, teaching, learning, teaching. I'm constantly teaching learning. It's I adjust to what they're doing. And there is no quote answer per se. I'm trying to find the process. And it's the same thing with that. If they can embrace the process instead of, well, where's the answer there? It's mm-hmm. a, it's not top down. Yeah, it's integrated. Right, because everybody wants to be the first to come up with the right answer. And so they'll be just shouting it out. Here's right. my answer. He did change. He turned pale. No, say no. I. That's not the message. What's the theme? Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's a greater it's an integrated knowledge. It's what like is the message that you Brent get the answer to come up with? Yeah. And so it really makes them think. And I had kids come in and say, My mother doesn't like you. It's like, <laughs> oh no. Why? I've had that. I know. Because my mother says that that's a stupid story and she can't figure it out. And I just laugh. Oh, you've had that. Oh yeah. Oh, I've had, I used to teach a film course and the kids would curse me because they would, they go, now I can't watch a movie without picking yeah. it apart. Sorry about that. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. it's. It opens up so many questions. We have to get kids to, to critically think. In fact, yeah. in fact, we're going to be on a hiatus for about four or five weeks. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about whether or not critical thinking is a goal of the past. Mm-hmm. So, and in the meantime, people, what you're going to be listening to are, I'm going to dig up and I'm going to edit down some of our former podcasts that we have sent out, ones that I think are germane and interesting and have some meaning. And so you can just revisit those in the meantime. Anyway. Well, we delve into that question, which has right. a few layers to it. So, so we, what we're trying to do is empower the students to think outside the box, to start cons- having more considerations. So, start start uh, interacting with the knowledge. Start... We're teaching kids. I want to teach kids how to learn. I don't teach them what to learn. How to learn. Students know how to learn. I don't think so. I mean. No, they do. 
They do. Well, oh, it's oh, already wait, whoa, whoa. It's, it's inherently you're, there. You're right. You're right. I back that up. I know what you're getting at. Go ahead. <laughs> they have to have permission. They have to have the permission to be, because look, with social media, social media is constantly judging. People are constantly judging. Your classroom needs to be a safe enough space where students can fail or students can opt something. So if somebody decides that they are going to make fun of somebody, that person needs to be taken to task and asked why they are so frightened of somebody trying something new that they have to put them back in their place. These, those are usually the people who can't yeah. figure things out. Those are usually the people who are too frightened to do anything. Think like about scripts. it. The people, they do, they have to have a script. And if you they don't like follow script. that script, you're stupid, <laughs> yeah. but you're not stupid. Think about this. The people who try new things and come out and are innovative in their thinking and how they how they build something or how they look at something, I'm talking about Steve Wozniak and Jobs. Yeah. I'm thinking about Bill Gates and his crew. I'm thinking about all the people, Edison. Think about all these people who came up with ideas that are now commonplace, but they were insane. These were not things that people could do. If you think about them. Pretty much not. And so because of all this technology that we have, think of this. We, We know that people like to invent things. People try to do things. There was a time when I was a kid and I decided... It was going to be so much easier for me to open up the shutters in my bedroom because I had three windows, I think, in my bedroom, one on one side and one on another side. And I had a cross breeze. But in order to get the sunlight out or to open them up first thing in the morning, I wanted to be able just to grab them and just to open them without having to get out of bed. So I rigged all these strings And I was trying to figure out how do I open the shutters if I don't want to do this and that. You know, it's just one of those things. We try to find a better, we try to find a better fly swatter, a better mousetrap is how they say it. True. And so if you think about a friend of mine, his grandfather designed the machine that creates corrugated cardboard. Really? Wow. things that we take for granted, somebody created. Yes, And I'm sure that there were people who thought that they were nuts. So anybody who puts somebody down for thinking differently, and sometimes, yes, we do think that some people are not, that, that their mind has left this world. There's proof. But... (laughs) But we never know what we're going to get. So we listen to all the ideas that we hear. Now, if we're going to talk about the mentor teacher to get back on track, if we're going to talk about the mentor teacher who's going to encourage people to think outside the box and to take those risks and to allow other people to take those risks, 
You have to think of yourself as a Gandalf or a Jiminy Cricket. You have to think of yourself as somebody who is going to mentor, to coach, in a sense, who is going to be doing. You're taking them under your wing and you're going to let them fly. Think in terms of, did you ever see Dead Poets Society? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Dead Poets Society. He was mentoring them in some facets, not in all. That was based, actually, also on Goodbye, Mr. Chips. I wondered about that. So if you ever see the the original, I want to say yeah. it's Robert Donut as Mr. Chips. Oh, it was uh, Peter O'Toole. No, Peter O'Toole, Petula Clark was a remake. Oh, really? There's one before that? There's one before that. I, oh, wow. I did not know. Yes. And so um, let me see if I'm finding it. It's a popular film. Yeah. It was. It was. But um, no, if you think about that, and he was not an easy teacher. Not at all. But no. the students loved him. So yeah, it's it's actually there's a component to it that makes them difficult teachers. It, it was you're my, supposed it, to be lost. It was Robert Donat and Greer Garson. Nice. That was 1939. I was going to say 30s, but I I stopped myself from saying it because I go, no, that's not the 30. I was going to say it's like 1939 or something. It was. it was. Oh my god, that's fairly decent content for that period of time. Um, yeah, yeah. A lot of it, it was adventure and wahoo, and <laughs> sort of. Look, it moves. The kind of mm-hmm. moving pictures. It talks then too. But yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about what the key attributes of being a mentor teacher are, because you are no mm-hmm. longer necessarily being a direct instructor, even though sometimes you want to. You don't want to, but you need to give direct instruction. Simply because yeah. brevity. Yeah, and, we have to direct it. And sometimes you need to do it simply because it's one of those <laughs> moments. For example, teaching safety. Before it happens, you don't want a safety issue to be a teachable moment. You want it to be not even a moment. Okay. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, but I, you know, and even in those kind of moments where um it's sort of you know like don't run into a burning building you know i like to add things that are pertinent to the information that are sort of even a little hilarious but true (laughs) yeah cool levity okay so some of the key attributes are empowerment empowering students to take on their own learning journey so for example when i gave them the story of mr k yeah. I asked them to do just that. Which shocked them, some of it, them. It did. Now, I've had teachers come back <laughs> at me and tell me that I did absolutely the opposite because they would have done it a much different way and they would have laid out all these attributes of a story first. Well, do tell me then how you do that. Well, because they did. Like they said I would that. give them, yeah. they need to follow. They need to follow the classic storyline. You know, you have the 
exposition mm. and the initial incident and then the rising yeah. action and the climax and then the denouement. And I said, no, 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 don't necessarily need to do that. No. Let's get them thinking first. And they said, absolutely not. They need to know how the path of doing it. And oh, said, well, that's no, not... no, no. So that's not what we're debating. <laughs> right. The second yeah. attribute yeah. is, are you an active listener? Yeah, which, yeah, I was having that mental little argument with that other teacher going, trying to listen to what they say. So I guess I passed that one because right. I'm trying to get what they mean. But yeah, you know, if you do listen, you'll find out what people mean. It's strange. And sometimes active <laughs> listening, if you yeah. are caught up with somebody, everybody wants to be heard. Yes. Yeah. So when they say what they say, and sometimes it will be a little difficult to digest and to comprehend. But if you think for a minute, and as they're speaking, you breathe. Make sure that you are breathing while they're speaking. And then when they finish, <laughs> give yourself a second, and then you say, so my understanding of what you just said is, and give them what they said. Not a parrot phrase, but your understanding of what they said. And if that's not clear, then they can go on further. But they, are, like now, they are now feeling heard. Yeah. And it also keeps your emotions at a minimum. Yes. I'd because also like to point out to the audience that what you said was simply brilliant. And that's the point. Um, so just pay attention to your breathing. We don't do that. Right. I mean, just the simple act of going, am I breathing? Oh, yeah, I'm not. <gasps> it's like crazy. <laughs> we don't. We just go into that mode. And you made it sound like remember to breathe. It's like kids, remember to breathe. And when we're speaking itself, with students, yeah. when we're listening to students, we also need to breathe. Yeah, at all times you need to breathe. It's like insane to try to handle life on like, <gasps> it, mm -hmm. it, 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 no wonder you're rushing things. It's like incredibly crazy. Yeah. Active and this, listening. Yeah. This will also help you with your anxiety for the day. And it will also also help you contain yourself and allow you to yeah. move through the day at a much better, um, I keep at a much better step. pace. Or the understanding life. Life's rhythms are a lot easier if you're not always searching for a place to breathe. Right. Yeah. So adaptability. Hmm. Be yeah. ready to move on your toes. If you're teaching an alternative education, you already know this. You don't know what's going to come at you next. But if you are breathing and if you're listening yeah. and if you sort of take it in, then you are going to be flexible because you're constantly thinking about what a great idea. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. And kids love that when they hear it because we want them to have epiphanies, but 
we also need to have epiphanies too. If we are not learning, then why are we there? You waste a lot of energy too being inflexible because if you're trying to get kids to adhere to the rules or the structure, the old round peg square hole thing, it's like whack-a-mole. It's, it makes life kind of difficult. Mm-hmm. It's true. Facilitation. How do you facilitate the students and how do you mm-hmm. encourage the exploration? So let's say, all right, I used to have writing groups and reading groups and we used to invite people in. And the format was somebody would start off and they would all be sitting around in a big circle with tables and we would have teas and juices and maybe some vegetables and fruit, just, you know, healthy snacks. And because not only were we trying to teach students how to work in a guided discussion and to share with each other, but also how to participate with food in a, in a social venue. And so they would start out and if it was a book, they would talk about the book. They knew they had points that they needed to come up with, but everybody was reading a different book. And so after they talked about their book, then it was open to the floor. And so other students could ask them questions about the book. The most popular book at one point was the book Chaos. And I was absolutely floored. I had seven students who wanted to read the book Chaos after we finished with that discussion. Hmm. They thought it sounded absolutely brilliant. And then they started talking about Stephen Hawking. And these are students who didn't read. And all of a sudden, (laughs) they're reading. We had... And, you know, we invited people from the school board. We invited the superintendent. We invited different principals to come in and be there. We also had writing groups where we did the same thing. And students would read each other's papers, and it was a way to publish, but it was also a good way to get critical feedback. And with that critical feedback, what they were told was, write down the feedback that you get, but you cannot respond. You have 24 hours to wait That's until a good, you can respond. Good thing to do. And that goes with any kind of criticism. So if somebody criticizes something that you're doing, you wait 24 hours and don't stew on it. You think, what, where did that come from? How can I change this? Because they did not mean this in a vindictive sense. They meant it to help me. So, and if you need to process through that, think about that as well. So going through a group discussion, you need to have your rules, but let it take on its own life. You can always nudge people back in the right direction. But it's yeah. not about you. It's about them. Let them have the learning. Let it's them facilitating have the, the learning process. Facilitator. Yeah. Exactly. Knowing when to shut up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes because it's what you don't do. Too often teachers, and I'm just as guilty. Mm-hmm. 
you always have to have something to add. You well, always I always wanna... have to have like sound going too, like silence, you know, asking a question, and there's a big long pause, I get nervous. And so sometimes you need to have to. things like maybe it's having baby carrots. Maybe you just have <laughs> something else. Maybe you, I, I'm not going to say pacifier because that's a little kinky, but you know, you need something that is going to stop you from speaking. Oh, I've learned over the years that I enjoy silence now. And I, and I actually enjoy the fact that people around me start to squirm <laughs> during long periods of silence. Cause I remember when I was like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, you gotta let kids just kind of go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting. It's fine. I'll wait for a long time. <laughs> so then we have collaboration. Yeah, yeah. That's geez. how do you collaborate with the information? As you said earlier, I love that. How do you collaborate oh. with each other? How do you, Philip, collaborate with your students? I, that's the game, man. It's not, but it's every class is different. And I love the, I love the dynamic of it, the collaborating with each and every class I used to have. You know, everybody that we've interviewed and everybody that I discuss things with, <clears throat> one of their biggest strengths, I think, is in valuing the student's input and working with the students. Yeah, And having the students' input, because they're the ones who have to be learning. If you're doing all the talking, how do you know whether or not they're learning it or not? That's true. You're not very collaborative. (laughs) Right. So we talked about this one earlier as well in another episode, but reflection. What tools do you have for reflection? Feedback's that could be collaborative as well. Hmm? Feedback's a good one. Yeah, when if you get some, if you have a good, good source of feedback, um, like out, an objective source of feedback, mm-hmm. uh, that's really helpful for self evaluation. Right, but then self reflection. Yeah, when what? I look back on it, I think to myself, sort of an, as an objective point of view, as much as I can. But it's always difficult because I'm a participant. That's the the paradox of the whole thing. Is it's if you're involved in it, then it's really hard to sort of reflect upon it from that above sort of. It's it's you can evaluate students very very well. That's not the point, but it's the whole experience that enhances your teaching that kind of suffers. So this might actually be a good exercise where you ask the students to come up with ways to reflect, which would mean stepping back and looking at your work Mm. and figuring things out. Now, let's say that you're doing, let's say you're doing group projects and your group isn't sure where they are. And so maybe it's reflection time. And that reflection time is where everybody steps back from their own project and they go to look at another project. And after they look at that project, they go to look at another project. And that is pretty good objective information. And after they've reviewed everybody else's project and they look at their own, Mm. 
they need to evaluate what are our strengths and what are our work-ons. Right. So what are things that we liked about what other people were doing? Mm -hmm. And what are things that we really like about ours that makes ours unique? And that's the image I have in my head. Uh, just one step above when I say that it's hard to be objective as a teacher. It would be much easier to examine your, your teaching process and your learning process if you went to other classrooms and saw them doing it. Like the kids saw other projects, you saw other teachers doing their thing. Then you go, oh, oh, I like the way they did that. What you're going to find is if you're a good teacher, you're doing roughly the same things. And then you just enhance things greatly with collaboration from outside. But you also need to keep in mind that you are going to have things that are peculiar to yourself. Absolutely. And hopefully they work. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> They're really good attributes. They're not, ooh, I got to work on that. <laughs> Always speaking up when it's silent thing. Because we do. I, I worked on that. I couldn't do that. I couldn't sit still in silence. I oh. make myself. And now it's, I tell kids, and I had to, I tell the kids that story and I go, I know what it's like to sit there and score. <laughs> <laughs> and now we have empathy. Which is what I just said. Holy cow. Yeah, that's a really big tool. because we, we all were students, were we not? Well, we have to remember that there's a huge difference between empathy and sympathy. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're all students. There are some people who don't know those, those differences. They don't. And that's, and that's why I'm saying it. I'm thinking of something. But sympathy, yeah. sympathy is walking by somebody and saying, you know, I'm really sorry that that happened to you. And then moving on. Empathy is sitting down with you and saying, hey, I'm here. Tell me would, about it. I would take it a little bit differently. <clears throat> I have an image. Sympathy okay is seeing somebody and saying, either I'm very sorry for you, or here's what I can do to help fix you. Here's what I can do to fix you. So the martyr Without the second part, which is what you talked about. Right. Sitting down and asking him, what's going on? What's, what, what can I do with you to help? Sympathy is yeah. an objective view. Yes. Where you're going to fix. Empathy yeah. is understanding. And so, kids know the difference. They do very <laughs> they well. They certainly do. They can feel it in their little hearts. Yeah. Definitely. So continuous learning. How are you continuously learning? Oh, but Better Mr. Be. Tony, when I get home, I am so exhausted. I get it. I get it. I'm exhausted. I am not a people person. Yeah. So when I went home, I would walk through the door. I would be on go mode. I would get changed. I would grab the dogs, throw them in the car, not literally. And then we would drive to the dog park or we would go for a walk. If we went for a walk, I had absolutely no headphones on. It was just me, the dogs mm -hmm. and life and allowing me to have that silence and to right. enjoy the dogs. If we went to the dog park, 
there were people there. And so that was more socialization. So when I got home, it was just downtime. Right. It, you know, I get that. Yeah. But it, go ahead. Downtime is, you know, even in downtime, you can have an open mind and learn things. Yes. You know, I mean, I've, I've learned a lot of things just sitting on a park bench, staring at grass, really exhausted, going, whoa. Yeah. Just to let my mind wander. It's, it's, it's a state of mind, you know, being inquisitive and curious and, and uh, kind of wondering. And, um, well, that's what if I like you're, with kids. Make sure that you're reading. Think about yeah. how do you do yes. self reflection of the day? Yeah. And is there something else that maybe you need? or want to tweak there's can you get excited about tweaking something that you started that day and it's like all of a sudden you have an epiphany and you say ah i've got it well actually there, there's cycles about that yeah yeah if you're really banging your head against a problem just set it aside for a while and go do something you really like to do and that just kind of unravels the ball of twine in your head quite effectively. Yeah. Seriously. Okay. Yeah. And then the next one will be, how do you teach students how to goal set? Ooh. And how do you do your own goal setting? I was just going to say something to the effect of, well, if you've got the formula, will you share it? Because I'm still learning. <laughs> It's like, you know, there's a formula, I guess, vaguely put for humans, but we all got our own process about, you know, what is it do we, what do we want? What does it take to get there? Where do we start from? You know, but the processes of just, you know, eating the elephant one bite at a time. Right. Yeah. But you could also look at it, KWL. It, oh, yeah. Um, which is? Knowledge. What do you know? Yeah. What do you want to know? What do you want to know? And what did you learn? What did you learn? What's it? So it was knowledge. Yeah, no, by a different one. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's the same thing. Yeah. Right. So let's say that I put a model of a castle on the table. Yep. And I say, okay, have a look see on this castle and tell me what you know about it. Now, what do you want to know? about this castle. Where is it? What was it built for? How do you fortify it? How do you yeah. fit people inside the castle walls? Now, if you think that castles, that the castle walls held people, it did. But then there were also town walls, the city walls, the walls of the city. So Paris had them, Edinburgh had them, London had them. Most big cities had walls simply for protection. So if you're teaching social studies, or maybe you're just teaching history, this, you know, this lends itself to exploration, using the imagination and bringing people into what life was like. Right. One thing I would ask is, where do they put the furnace? Sure. Where do they what go about the, the air conditioning? 
Everyone always wants to know where do you go to the bathroom in space or something like that. Well, like they actually did. Plane. They, yeah. they did have bathrooms. Yes, they did. They were communal. Yes, they were. They were mostly just holes. They were holes with a bench. <laughs> well, so you I mean, could be sitting. You could be sitting next to your wife or somebody like that while you're using it. It was very, in the Roman days, it was actually a place where people sat and chatted for a while. Oh, yeah. And then they used a sponge. They, and they used the sponge. And the sponge was still carried on. Kids, yes. The sponge was used much later, too. Um, yeah. If you read the book Flushed <laughs> by Hotting Carter, <laughs> it's... It's it's a fa- it's a fascinating book about the history of plumbing. <laughs> we just we just went right into like God and this and that. Hey, if you really want to check it out, here's <laughs> a good source. We are teachers down to the bone. <laughs> oh my God! Any conversation goes toward hey, here's a cool. <laughs> so uh, here's here are some things that you need to keep in mind if you are finding yourself doing too much direct teaching and you want to start mm. moving towards being a mentor, mm. shift your mindset. Yeah. You yeah. need to have not only a growth mindset, because in order to change from a direct instructor, you have to have a growth mindset with the growth being, you can do this and knowing that you can do it, but even as you said, eat the elephant one bite at a time, Yeah. but you make the shifts and check it out and see how you're doing. Are you going to stumble? Sure. It's okay. But you need to shift your entire mindset to the students being the center of the learning. They're the ones who are taking the tests, not you, but I gave them all the information. Well, obviously, you didn't deliver it right. Yeah, How are you yes. delivering that information? How are you allowing them to explore that information yeah, and that to glue it to their tiny little brains? Well, it's what we do. I mean, we have a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's sort of, it works for me, too. So I kind of like to share it with the kids. But yeah, it's, if you, a growth mindset also includes making a mistake. There's failures in that. It's not just a steady incline toward perfect. Right. And every time that you make a mistake, you fail forward. Yes. But there is a learning in that mistake that actually will propel you faster. Mm -hmm. That's Because sometimes there are elements of that failure that you need to use. When you integrate that too, then it becomes part of the process and not part of the evaluation you know, I fail pass fail pass it's like it's all a pass right and then we have active listening techniques so think mm-hmm. about the strategies for effective listening breathing paraphrasing oh, don't forget to breathe <laughs> yeah exactly true, true advice not only good exactly true. maybe you're going to become the zen master of the building but, you know, there's nothing wrong with that at all. <laughs> it's a heavy job. People keep coming to you. I'm going crazy. You got anything for it? No. <laughs> got stuff to do. <laughs> Just breathe with me. Just breathe, um, for goodness sake, yeah. You're going to need flexibility in your lesson planning. Oof, God, yeah. So this means mm-hmm. I, I worked in a district where 
you had to have everything was everything for the semester was plotted out before the kids ever came. You knew what day you were showing what movie, you knew what day you were doing which text, where you were going to be. There was very little fudge room. It was every single day. Because at the end of the year, those students had to take a test. And the test was developed by their star teacher in order for them to figure out which classroom they were going to go into. They were tracking them in high school. Which classroom they would go to their sophomore year. And it was very, it was very, very odd to me. And they did this every single year. Now, the problem is, is that I'm not very good at following directions all the time. Neither are the kids. So, and I got in trouble for this. But. What I did was I began to implement my own my own curriculum in there that I thought was a better supplement than what they had. The kids were bored. And I could tell they were bored. And I thought, okay, here are some other ways of doing exactly the same thing, but different yeah. materials. How can we do that? That's when we did the story of Epiphany, James Joyce. That's when we started looking at different kinds of art. That's when we brought in some Jamaica Kincaid. We started looking at a lot of different other sources that were not on the canon prescribed by the department chair and the star teacher. And they were absolutely furious because my kids were engaged. They were talking. They were laughing. They were having a wonderful time. And I was told that my students needed to be quiet. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. My students are engaged. They're having a wonderful time. They're learning. They said, no, they'll learn what we want them to learn. There it is again. And I said, how do you know that they're actually learning it? Well, the test will tell us how good a teacher you are. No, it won't. And I said, no, it'll tell you how much information the students retained. It'll tell you how good uh, test takers the students are. Yeah. Well, exactly. So, but changing the lesson plans, let's say that, because what I discovered was we were reading Edgar Allan Poe and my juniors... weren't getting it because that language is so out of reach for them. And Philip, this is 30 some odd. This is, this is like 32 years ago, Yeah, Yeah, 34 years ago. And my students were having a terrible time with language and they couldn't figure it out. And unfortunately I overslept one day and I had about a 45 minute commute to get there. And so I called and the vice principal said, can I go in? Can I, can I sub for you until you get there? And I said, oh my gosh, Debbie, do it. Yes. And so I got there and she said, I love these kids. She said, but they can't figure it out. And I said, yeah, part of me is wondering whether or not they're pulling the wool over our eyes, but we'll see. And so 
then we got into context clues. Then we started looking at some other yeah. factors and we got through it, but we finally made it through the story. Well, we were two days behind. How am I going to catch the kids up? And department chair was furious with me because we were so far behind everybody. Two else. days. And it was the student's responsibility to figure out that story. And I said, no, it's my responsibility to make sure that they understand it. I'm the teacher. Okay. Yeah. It's just, this is violating all the rules of, right. of cohabitating so, with uh, learning. <laughs> right. So yeah. just remember, despite the fact that people tell you what you have to do, they're not the ones teaching it. They're not the ones with your kids. You know your students. Work with your you students. You know your students. <laughs> if you want to be a good teacher, and if you don't want to suffer a life of awful work, then you better know your students because they will love to know you. They really will. In fact, if they like you, oh, God forbid, they might do amazing work. <laughs> they could do things that just surprise you. <laughs> Jeez, just because they like you. I mean, it's like not Yeah, go figure, right? Hard. Yeah, because – you know it's boring too, and you go, yeah, let's fix this. And you have the knowledge and the wisdom. Mm -hmm. and that's what our job is, yeah. I will never be – I don't know how long you lasted there, but I would have – I would not have made it very long under that specter. Um, I did okay. I, I, I couldn't have done it. I did okay. Um, <laughs> I tip my cap to you. I would have gone, I, nope, can't. I just can't. It was very difficult for me coming from a program where the director of the school was all about innovation and collaboration yes. and going into that where they said, all of our students will go to university. That and, was what was driving it. Okay, yeah. But here's the interesting thing. And I know this is a little off topic. I had a kid and I had, Four teachers come to me and they said, oh, you've got this kid in your class. And I said, yeah. yeah. And they said, he's a stoner. He won't do anything. And I said, he's a really nice kid. And they said, he is. He's a really nice kid, but he won't do anything. And I said, okay. And so one day, I think it was during my prep, he came wandering into my class and he said, Mr. Hunt. And I said, yes. And he said, how late will you be here today? And I said, well, I don't know. Um, I'm thinking that I'll be here until X time. And he said, oh, good. He said, would you work with me on my paper? And I said, I'd be delighted. He That's said, what I do. And, and he <laughs> said, okay, I just have to go home and I have to get it. And then I'm going to come right back. I said, great. Yeah. So, Remember, this is before computers. Yeah. So he went, well, we had computers. It's BC just that, for you at home. Yeah, because yeah, not well, everybody, we had the floppy disks. Oh, we did have computers. Oh, there was a time when, never mind. There were no computers. We had the floppy disks. <laughs> and they were age. really floppy. Um, yes. Anyway, so he ran home, he came back, and we sat there for an hour and a half working on his paper. Hmm. And he said, could you help me with my other assignments? And I said, not tonight. He said, no, tomorrow. And I said, okay, but you got to bring them first thing in the morning so we can get to them because I want to get out early tomorrow. Yeah. You got it. He started coming in after school to work with me 
on his schoolwork to get his grades up. And I thought, holy cow. And I looked at him and I said, why are you working with me? And he said, because you're the only teacher I can think of who actually cares about whether or not we learn. And I thought, well, I know that that can't not be. Right. That would upset any teacher to hear that they're included in that list of teachers that don't care if you learn. Right. And he said, but you're the most, I guess what he wanted to say was I was Uh the most accessible. Well, yeah, he said it in that very sort of primitive way, but it's the same thing. It's like, so why aren't teachers more accessible? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, when you were telling the story about where you were at, all I could think of was, why does that school exist for the, the students or for the curriculum? It's for the curriculum. All evidence points out that that school existed for the curriculum and the star teacher and the department head, and it had nothing to do with any students whatsoever. Well, the interesting thing is, my sister-in-law worked at the same district. Mm. And it hadn't changed. Mm. It was really interesting to hear what she had to say. So anyway, let's move on. Yeah. Feedback and reflection. How do you integrate regular reflection and feedback sessions with your students? Do you give them surveys? Do you just have discussions? Mm. How do you think you did on this? What 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 do you think went right? What do you think we need to work on? How could we improve? I won't even pretend to answer that without saying just one way that I do it. And it's time intensive. I talk to kids in little groups, individually, and as a Mm -hmm. large group. Well, actually, you can have kids just email you. Yeah, I'll take anything, but most of the time it's just talking. If they are not comfortable speaking up in class, there is something called email. There is something called Google Docs or even doing Word. Yeah. You can share those. Texting? No, don't get on that platform. Uh-uh. So, I'm sorry um, if people are saying that, but I would, I would never give my personal phone number to a student. Okay. So cultivating empowerment, how do you encourage autonomy and decision-making? We have talked about creating an autonomous student. Mm-hmm. And so often we have parents who want to get in on the, who want to get in with their kids mm-hmm. and they're going to tell the kids, this is the way to do it. Or the kid doesn't feel like they can. Yeah, yeah. So mommy or daddy jump in and they rescue their kid. And then they want to know why they got a C on their paper that they wrote. <laughs> yeah, that, that I, I'd have an interesting approach on that. Shall I? So- you want to you want to learn the content with me? Tell you what, I would be happy to discuss that with you if you read the novel and evaluated these certain aspects with me, and then evaluated the paper that your son and or daughter turned in, <laughs> and then we could talk about why I gave it a C. But for you to come in and go, you think it should get a different letter? <laughs> but then based the parents on what? And then the parents keep calling, finding out whether or not you've changed the grade or not. Mm, no, because because she worked she... really hard on that last night. Yeah. No, she didn't. She told me she was really tired because she went out with friends and she went to work. We, yeah. So when did just... she have time to write the paper? And, and here's well, I helped her with it. I helped her. With <laughs> yeah. It. Or if I don't give her a C now, how should I expect any improvement from her? 
I'm actually pushing her up from that. And that's not even the final grade. Mm-hmm. So there is a method to my madness. And so what I said was, how about your daughter sit down with me and we go over her paper together? Well, she doesn't have time for that. I said, I don't have, well, I'm making time for you. She can make time for me. That is your issue. Yes. I will give you the time if you invest the time as well. But, but we need to have students realize that this is them, not their parents. That's true too. And what parents need to realize is every time they do that, it shows a lack of respect for their child because it means that their child is too bloody stupid or incompetent to actually do it. And so let the kid learn. Otherwise, what's going to happen is you're going to end up with a kid who goes to university or community college or out into the workplace. And we have a plethora of parents who are dropping in on teachers at the university or community college level, we have parents who are demanding to sit in on job interviews and will call the manager after their students have, are working, demanding to know certain things that their child should know or that they should be doing. You have parents who are absolutely overstepping their boundaries and demonstrating a lack of respect for everybody around them. I and simply, I don't yeah. know, I, it's, an, it's an insecurity, it's a narcissism, it is so many things. Well, it's just, simply put, it's inappropriate, and I treat it as being inappropriate. It's like I'm not, a, but the louder you get doesn't oblige me to involve myself anymore. Right. Uh, regardless of what you say, I know what I mean, and I, I know what I did, what, why I did what I did. Mm-hmm. And if my administrator has a problem with that, I can discuss it with him, but I'm not discussing it with you. Right. I mean, it's it's inappropriate. And your kid needs to know that, too, because I'm having a great relationship with your kid. I mm-hmm. kind of know where some of those things come from now, though. It's like, holy cow. I've actually felt very sorry for some kids because their parents meddle, and they know it. And they're like, oh, dear. Well, and I go, I'm not thinking it's you. And they go, thank you. <laughs> My mother looked at me one day and she said, I called your teacher. I said, excuse me? She said, well, you just seem to be having so many problems in that class. So I called your teacher and we had a long chat and she wants to talk to you today. And I was so furious. I could not believe she would do that. And so I'm sitting in the hallway with my friends and along comes the teacher who stops and looks at me and says, Tony, your mother called me last night. I said, I heard. She said, you and I need to have a chat. And I said, that'll be a cold day. And she said, then we will have it right here, right now. And I thought, absolutely inappropriate around my friends. Yes. And she said, I had no idea X, Y, and Z that you felt X, Y, and Z. And I looked at her and I said, well, since you're saying that, here's what it's going to be. And I was just blank and I was frank and honest with her. And my friends are just staring at me because they thought I was just going to, I was going to be canned. 
but no no everything turned around that at that point it Mm. was fine but i told my mother i said don't you ever do that again Mm. but students have a really hard time with self-advocacy and so what i have found is that if they are comfortable enough with me i tell them if you need me to help you advocate for something I will help you advocate. I will not do the advocacy, but I will work with you and get you there. Exactly. Yeah. Because you and that's need part to be of being a role space. model. Right. I mean, I'm learning it too, kid. Every time, honestly, I don't have, I, I don't, I have a hard time with confronting people. I, mm-hmm. I've gotten a lot better at it over the years. You don't look at me now and go, he's nervous. <laughs> Used to be, whoa, he's nervous. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm confident. I know my ground. I stand on it firmly, but it's difficult every time. So right. yeah, we have to model that and tell them, yeah, this doesn't get any easier. Kid. Okay. The next two. Collaborative learning. I think we've pretty well covered that. Yeah. Geez. It's no, and encouraging no critical thinking. And I think we've covered that as well. Yeah. So we have also, we've talked endlessly about student-centered classrooms. That was last week, correct? Yeah, and that's a, a mentorship, mentorship personalizes learning experiences because it is the relationship between you and that student or those classmates that they have, yeah. however well you do that. Um, and keep in mind, if there's a mistake, say, <clears throat> people listening were thinking, you know, mentoring other teachers... Mm-hmm. And we've indicated now, you said mentoring students as well. It's the same thing. A mentor is a mentor. I just adjust my message to another teacher. If I was mentoring a teacher, the content would be more teacher directed towards <laughs> them than the students. But it would be the same the collaborative learning, you know, self-evaluate the whole. It just happens the same. Right. The same. And I'm going to say one thing that you need to look at is being open enough to have feedback yeah. and to learn. Uh, it's just uh, how to be a good human. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. Yeah, I, so I the benefits for, benefits for students are going to be their academic and their personal development are going to skyrocket yeah. because this is going to be, do you remember Rosemary Allen said, you cannot grow a plant off concrete. It needs fertile soil. Yes. Make your classroom that fertile soil. That's right. For yeah. all students. Yeah. Give, give your students a place to have purchase. Right. So what are some of the challenges that you see for transitioning over to a mentorship role? It's a loss of control. It's a lot of ego going on. When you're trying to impose yourself, your system on a learning process, I don't think it's very productive. No, but transitioning, because you've already, let's say that, Philip, you are going from being a lecturer. Yeah. You you have a lecture model. You're teaching, okay, you're teaching the French Revolution, and you're explaining the stories, and you're going through it. You have all of this happening. Now you're going to turn all of that into a mentorship. How do you do that? 
what aspect of it? What are the challenges <clears throat> of going from being a direct instructor to a mentor? Oh, facilitator, well, a guide. Well, for one thing, you got to change the venue. I can, I can lecture on a street corner in a lecture hall, but either one don't have anything to interact with except for me and an audience. So okay, you level so it into a, 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 an environment where people are on an equal footing. And then, How do you do that? Do you, do you, uh, do you rearrange your desks into sure. a circle? Yeah, a circle. Uh, I mean, if I'm lecturing to a class, obviously I'm no longer going to stand in front of the class. I won't pretend to do anything as a lecture. I'll actually avoid standing in front and giving instruction as a lecture. I'll walk, I'll sit. I'll start collaborating with students. I'll encourage them to start walking around the room, being active. Uh, lots of resources. You know, lecture hall has none. I want their rapt attention. Uh, a, a classroom, I want their attention to wander and find and discover and inquire. So, so could, could, okay, so let's go back to the French Revolution. Yeah. So let's say you're going to facilitate. So bring in collaborative learning. Yep. So let's go back to the KWL. Let's say, okay, kids, yeah. we're going to start learning about the French Revolution. What do you, you're going to have a test in a week and a half on the French Revolution. What do you need to do in order to prepare for the test? Well, What's going to be on the test? Questions about the French Revolution. Oh, I'll tell you the test, too. Oh, no, no, no. Don't tell them that. I always do. As well, I, you can the tell test them the is test. no secret whatsoever. But <laughs> you can't do that now. Be okay. And the reason for it is Why because not? you need to instigate critical thinking. You have yeah. to instigate their brains so that they can have some autonomy in figuring out what they need in yeah. order to take this test. Well, I can so, facilitate that because the test is not, it will be unlike any other test they've taken. Anyway, go on. That, that's, we're not that's talking how about I you. We're the classroom. Yeah. We're not talking about you. We're talking about. Oh, I thought you were, you're asking me. And no. yeah, what would you do? And I said, oh, here's what I do. So I'm going to put them into groups. What are the things, what are the big categories that you need to know in order to truly understand the French Revolution? and be able to successfully explain it. They're going to need to know the causes. In a week and a half? You just tell them that. You can be flexible. <laughs> you can tell them, give them at least three weeks to know the causes <laughs> and everything. French, oh my God. But wait. I wait, need wait. three weeks to get it gone. Up. So they need to know the causes. What else yeah. do they need to know? They need to know what, you know, they need to know what were the after effects of it. What, how yeah. did, how did the French Revolution change laws around the world? How did it go so wrong? The bubonic plague. <laughs> we're still living with a lot of the after effects of the bubonic plague in our laws. Do you realize that? Yes, I do. <laughs> Actually, I can't recall. I mean, it changed so much about, yeah. it changed so much about English law. It changed so much about European law. And we still have the effects of it here. So, you know, we just ask them, figure out what are the big categories of things that you need to know. 
in these small groups and they come up with them and then they can share them. So you have like this, you have this chart and then you might say, did anybody consider X? And they go, okay, put that down. And then you look at how many groups you have, how many categories you have, and then you can assign categories to different groups, correct? And each one of those groups can now go off and they can start working on whatever it is. And they have to give a presentation on that. I remember that. And then once they give the present, <laughs> however they give the presentation, they can be doing PowerPoint, they can do some acting, they can do whatever and give people resources, but they do that. And then they come together and then they can talk about it. What's the test? The test is how much knowledge they have. So after they give, what my kids used to love to do was to give a quiz at the end of their presentation. Oh, that's a lot of fun. But you have to teach them how to do tests. Well, I, I learned that because it's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I let them learn. I let them learn by doing because okay. that was also part of the feedback. You had a smarter group because I had a group that did like pick of the following answers. They'd have like one answer. I go, wait a minute, time out. You only got one answer. You guys got to put at least like three. Anyway. Yeah, so, it was funny. But, I learned but, quick. <laughs> but then everybody else gave them feedback. Yeah. They like it. They like that testing thing too. And, it and forces they them have, to think on a higher level. And they can also create the rubrics mm -hmm. for yeah. the presentations and for the tests. There you go. And I like it. Let's do it. Oh, wait, shoot. We're <laughs> students right now. Okay. So there are so many ways that you can do this, and there's even more that we could talk about right now, yeah. but we have really run over time. Wow. See, you were just thinking. I just like, I can, I can think a long time. <laughs> no right. have to rest. <laughs> right, right, right. I like to do this. It's, it's right. great. Yeah. So to that extent, I want to thank everybody so far. Thank you for helping us close out our second year. We look forward to re-engaging you on our third year when we come back in a, just a few weeks. And you will know when that is. And because I will announce it on Facebook, I will announce it on Insta, I will announce it on LinkedIn. We'll stand on every street corner, everywhere in every town in America. Oh, yes. If possible. <laughs> <laughs> So we will talk to you. Oh, also we're on threads and also on Twitter. So is it Twitter? I think it's X, isn't it? Well, or, or do we even mention it because Elon Musk is kind of interesting? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I don't Twitter. know. Twitter. It's Twitter. <laughs> I'm so it's confused. His <laughs> it's his company. He can do what he wants. He can. I, I, it's such, I'm so confused. So anyway. <laughs> Okay. So until we meet again, Philip. Mm -hmm. Then, Tony. Aloha. It's aloha and adios. Bye bye.